welcome to the second episode of Strings in the Air, a series dedicated to taking you through the different periods of classical music. In each episode, we'll get to explore the music, composers, and elements that make each era fun and exciting. Taking you through this musical journey are yours truly, the musicians of the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra, a training string orchestra that hopes to promote classical music appreciation among the youth, raise awareness about orchestral music, and model values like discipline, hard work, and teamwork. My name is Wayne. I'm Brianna. And I'm Sinead. And for this episode, we will take you through the classical period of classical music. As in the Baroque, the string orchestra remained the backbone of ensemble music in the classical period. However, although instrumentation remained largely the same, music changed much stylistically. Where Baroque music was ornate, classical music was elegant and sleek. It dispensed with heavy ornamentation. There were no extra notes. Long-winded phrases grew shorter. Even polyphony disappeared for a while. This was also the time when the symphony and string quartet took on their standard form, thanks to the works of Franz Joseph Haydn. That is not to say that classical music is all form and rigor. One of the most popular genres of the period is the divertimento. The word divertimento comes from the Italian for to divert or to amuse. The genre is characterized by its air of light and charm. Usually performed to entertain at social gatherings, divertimenti are scored for small ensembles like string trios, quartets, and of course, string orchestras. Another popular form in the period is related to the divertimento, the serenade, which is also light and airy, and is often written for string ensemble. Some of the most famous serenades come from Mozart's pen, with the most famous of them all arguably being Mozart's Einiklein Nachtmusik, or A Little Night Music. It is lively work for string ensembles, initially written for a small group of two violins, a viola, a cello, and a double bass. Nowadays, the piece is more often seen in larger orchestral settings. The four-movement piece starts off with a vivid allegro, followed by a mellow romanza, a bouncy minuet, and ending with a refreshing and swift rondo as a finale. Despite being popular and overplayed, its elegance and beauty continues to be celebrated to this day. Here are two movements from Mozart's Einiklein music, the romance and the minuet, in the hands of the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra, conducted by Mr. Herrick Ortiz.
The second and third movements of Mozart's Anikleinach music performed by Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra. We were talking about the characteristics of classical music earlier. Yeah, and one of those are technicality, wherein we can describe classical music as light and airy. Part of that, we have to be precise in what we're playing, and very light, as what you said. Yeah. From the techniques that we are playing to the sound we're going to make. Technicality is one of the things that we are working on as a orchestra, as a youth orchestra. And since we are talking about classical music, the techniques in classical music is a bit hard for us to control. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. especially with the bow control mm-hmm. during the vertimento. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah, it is very hard. <laughs> as teacher Harry always tells us whenever we play classical, whenever, for example, we do long bows, we have to make that sound equal even though it is from the upper half or the lower Lower half. half. The problem is just that whenever you go to the upper half, we tend to put pressure and then whenever we're in the lower half, we tend to shake. Shake. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So we were talking about Mozart's divertimenti, wherein it was played usually for rich people? Yeah, for rich people who like own lands and who can afford to get servants and get those curly wigs <laughs> <laughs> and the paintings yeah and the paintings and get like get themselves painted and the meaning of divertimento is to, to be entertaining to, yeah. but the question now here is is divertimento entertaining in today's generation or like now maybe if you think of it this way if you didn't listen to classical music gl- growing up would you be entertained with that music genre no, no, I don't think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the influence of social media. Towards yeah, it's the influence children. of the internet yeah. and the influence of the people or just the community that we have. You can still listen to classical music in popular medias and platforms. But I'd like to ask you guys, where have you first listened or got a glimpse of classical music and got you interested in playing classical music? I appreciate classical music first when I learned the instrument. Then I got it more appreciated when watching anime. I heard classical music growing up since my mom was a pianist. Mm. So sometimes, I think before, she'd used to play some pieces. Other than that, my mom would buy CDs that just plays classical music randomly. And I would get addicted to it for some reason. Just watching (laughs) Other than that, I would also hear classical music from some Tom and Jerry episodes. Most of the time, it would just make me laugh. <laughs> but now, True. I would appreciate it more if yeah. I was rewatching the whole thing. Because like now you have an idea of what classical music is. Yeah. And you get to be part more of the world of classical music. Yes, and especially if, for example, you heard the piece before. And then, through this year, you started listening to it again. Then you randomly see it on an episode of Tom and Jerry. You'll, you'll be like, whoa! Yeah, you'll be starstruck. I love that piece. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. search this piece. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my experience, the first, if I can remember, I always hear my parents' stories that I first listened to classical music when I was in the womb of my mom. She would put headphones Maybe, which is why one reason I still remember some of the pieces that she let me listen before when I was still inside the womb. But what really made me 
interested more in classical music. And the instrument, the violin, was... It's very weird. When I watched this like concert of David Foster, <laughs> and like I saw a girl violinist who's just like playing in the orchestra, and I said like, "Yo, mom, I want to play that." <laughs> Yo, mom, I want to play that instrument. And we had like a small violin before. It was like an extra one that my f- dad's friend, who was a painter, used for his prop. That continued to develop through the years. As I was still a kid, I continued to watch more about classical music like Little Einstein. The music inside Little Einstein really made me love more music, like love music in general. Because it was not just the music itself, it was also arts. And there was also a lot of learning about the composer. And I think it just shows how classical music just continues to move around people. For me, growing up, my family wasn't like the fan of much that in classical music. So I started appreciate classical music when I started playing the instrument when I was nine, and then I appreciated it more this one time when I was searching YouTube for practicing for the accompaniment. Yeah, you know that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then there's. This one video of two set violin. Oh, I remember the first video I watched of types of uh, orchestra players. (laughs) (laughs) So the experience for me in classical music is in social media mostly. Mm -hmm. It influences me more. And as I discovered things in the internet, I watched cartoons to in animes like your like in april and such and yeah. as i listened to more classical and discovered it more and searched it ito pala yun, ito pala yung title ng piece what's your favorite piece currently i'm in the baroque period right now <laughs> <laughs> still my favorite piece is the third movement of Bach's e major concerto what you my favorite piece is in the rom- romantic era Introduction in Rondo. Nice. How about you? Mine naman isn't actually for violin, but it's Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. 2. Oh, I love that. I love, I love that. All I love three movements. It's giving. <laughs> yes. Especially the second movement, near the last part. It's the best. It feels like you're ascending towards heaven. <laughs> Real. With like, everyone coming together with the orchestra and the piano soloist. Now with all of these things that we've talked about, yes, classical music is entertaining, but is it still entertaining for this generation? What's classical music now is pop music then. And what's pop music then is classical music now. That's why as a Suzuki Youth Orchestra, we have a mission to reach out to the Filipino youth in order for them to also appreciate classical music and for them to also be able to hear what classical music really is. You know, actually, just a few months back, we had this camp mm-hmm. where we would go to Ilocos and have an outreach concert. And I think that shows a perfect example yeah. of yeah. showing music, sharing classical music. Showing classical music appreciation. Yes. Especially those to those little kids. In churches. We also did one in the Museo Orlina, right? Mm -hmm. Where we played for the kids 
in the orphanage. And it was a very heartwarming experience for us to see how they just enjoy and watch and appreciate classical music. The program that we made for them fulfilled what the mission of the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra does. So you see, classical music is still relevant today. Going back to the discussion on technicality... Do you guys still remember during our rehearsals when we were working on Divertimento, Teacher Herrick would always say that classical music is different from Baroque. Classical music, we should always think that we have wigs on our heads. Those curly wigs. <laughs> the curly wigs. Yeah, and that whenever we play, we should always play on the lower half. But it should not sound as rough. But we should always play with elegance. But it should not also be too much pressure on the bow. He would always tell us to play light. Airy. Airy. <laughs> yeah, light and airy. But with expression, but not too much. But it should be also a bit bright. But yeah, like playing happy. <laughs> yeah, playing happy. He would always tell us like Mozart, happy, haha. <laughs> but <laughs> not too happy. Not too happy. <laughs> no, like, but like not too deep. And now, with an emphasis on musical technicality, came the rise of the solo concerto, which, as its name suggests, pits a soloist in conversation with the orchestra, rather than a smaller section of the orchestra conversing with the larger. Mozart wrote five concertos for orchestra and solo violin. The violin concerto number three in G major dates from 7075, when the composer was 19 years old. Mozart, who was also the concertmaster at the Salzburg court at the time, had written it for a violinist named Gaetano Brunetti, perhaps to perform at court. This concerto follows the standard three-movement format, showcasing Mozart's signature style of light yet elegant phrasing and melodic ornaments. It is also worth noting that the first theme of the opening movement was borrowed from an aria of one of Mozart's operas, Il Re Pastore. We close this episode of Strings in the Air with a recording of the opening movement of Mozart's Violin Concerto Number no. 3.
the opening movement of Mozart's Violin Concerto Number no. Three. And that closes our exploration of the string orchestra in the classical period. This is Strings in the Air, a National Children's Broadcasting Day special, exploring the history of the string orchestra here on 98.7 DZFE, produced in partnership with the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra. We are Wayne, Brianna, and Sinead. Tune in again next week for the next step of our journey in the Romantic period with our fellow PSYO musicians and producers, Piatika, Sofia Bantilan, and Samara Salas. Thanks for tuning in.